0: All right, right. so we're going to knock this out? Yep. Welcome to The Gallery Gap, a podcast that explores inequity and equity in museums, exhibitions, programming, and collections. I'm Melissa Moore.
1: And I'm Claire Kovacs. Thanks for joining us today.
0: We've spent the last month examining the roles of women in museums in honor of National Women's History Month. But today, we want to push the conception of gender further and belatedly honor the Day of Transgender Visibility, which took place on March 31st. We're going to do this by talking to an artist whose work was featured as part of an exhibition and programming at the ATMA, and that is Kiam Marcello Junio.
1: Yep, Kion presented their work, Battle Dress, Camouflage as a Metaphor for Passing, and other works this past fall. Junio's installation and related performance at Roz Talks was very autobiographical and emphasizes their intersectional identities as a Filipino American, immigrant, Navy vet, and gender fluid.
0: You know, Junio's work brings to the fore a related issue, and in both the Figgy and Stan's collections, And that is that neither collection contains any work by artists who identify as trans, intersex, or gender nonconforming. While the Augustana show did give an important platform to Junio's voice, we still have work to do in bringing more inclusive, um, into being more inclusive in our collecting and exhibitions along the full gender spectrum.
1: Yeah, and today we're going to talk to Kiam about their work and the spaces, roles, and relationships that museums have with artists who identify elsewhere on the gender spectrum and in the broader sphere of this idea of intersectionality. Which is which is an important conversation for us oh, to have,
0: absolutely. But before we get started, I'm thinking it might be helpful for our listeners to have a bit of a reminder about the differences between gender and sex. There are a lot of great podcasts out there about this. Lots of information, but but you're listening to ours, so <laughs> I think, why don't you get us started on that, Claire?
1: Sure. Um, so so first, let's let's start with the difference between gender and sex. Okay. So sex is when you're born, a doctor determines your sex or gives you your sex, um, and that is partially based on your um, your physical appearance, especially with your your sex organs. Now, this can and does get get complicated because not everyone has an XX or an XY chromosome and and sometimes. Even if you have an XX or an XY chromosome, your, your physical presentation may not match that, uh, your, your, your chromosomes. And so basically when you, you are born, a doctor determines what your sex is and that, that is, is related to biology. Now gender is, is different. Gender is how you identify and how you express yourself in the world and may or may not connect to your, your given sex so I mentioned identity, gender identity and gender expression so how how you feel that you are are you are you a woman are you a man are you neither are you both are you somewhere in a spectrum um, and then also how you express yourself are you how are you presenting yourself to the world and at the same time how do others others perceive you so this gets into to the space of, the gender spectrum. So, so thinking about there's not a binary here. There is a whole variety of ways of of presenting your yourself to the world, and in that you you may not just present as as one thing. You might identify as gender fluid, so that you you're rejecting this this concept. And others just re- reject the the concept of any type of identification at all. Now. That gets us into these these terms like transgender and cisgender. So cisgender means that you are identifying as the, your gender is the same as the sex that you were given at birth versus transgender, which means that you are identifying as something else from what you are, your sex that was given at birth. So that's complicating things a little bit. And then just to complicate it more, the spectrum for sex is also a, it, there is not a binary there. There are, there are many reasons that people could identify as cisgendered or transgendered, and also that their sex, they could be intersex, and intersex people could be cisgendered or transgendered. So again, I guess the, the, the take-home here is that gender is, is one thing, sex is another thing, and both of those have a spectrum related to them. And what we'll do is we'll provide a couple of links to some 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 great podcasts that, that dig into this a little bit more so that uh, you can you can hear it in a little bit more depth.
0: No, thank you for the breakdown. It helps to create a framework. That really allows us to move forward with this topic of with the topic of gender in this podcast. Um, you talked about some takeaways here. And, and yes, we will have further or additional resources on the website. But I wonder if there's um, a larger idea that we should be taking away.
1: Yeah, and I, and I want to preface this by noting that I'm coming at this as a cisgendered woman. So there might be other takeaways, but this is, this is where, what I'm going to present um, to our listeners. Number one, let people define their own identity. Ask them what pronouns do you use, not what pronouns do you prefer, because the latter suggests that someone else could prefer to use different pronouns for you. Don't gender people. Don't ask inappropriate questions. And if you misgender, just apologize and move on. At the end of the day, it's not about you, and stop making it about you. Um, and as I said, we have other resources for you on the Gallery Gap website, so be sure to check them out.
0: So let's shift gears now. Let's go ahead and bring Kiam into this conversation via Skype. Hello. Hi, hi Kiam. It's Claire. And hi, Kiam. It's Melissa. <laughs>
2: Hello.
0: Hello. Kiam, um, can you hear me?
2: Oh, now I can't. Okay.
0: <laughs> Kiam, do you want to perhaps start off by talking a little bit about your artistic practice?
2: Um, sure. Yeah, I would love to. So my artistic practice currently um, extends to a lot of different ways of researching, um, practicing in in movement, and also in collaborating with um, different artists. Um and that takes many forms: um, performances, um, visual art, and installations, or videos as well.
0: You have so. a you have a pretty big web presence too. Is there anywhere you would where would you first send our listeners if they want to be able to see some of the projects you've been working on?
2: Uh, my website: uh, kiyam marcelo funiocom
0: Perfect. So, um, Kiyom, you have an essay coming out in the upcoming volume of Queering Contemporary Asian American Art, which is from the University of Washington Press, which is awesome. Congratulations. Um, You talked a little bit about your artistic practice as it is. Can you speak to other programs that might be on the horizon for you?
2: I'm, still, I'm currently developing this body of work that I've been working on and that I presented at the Quad Cities um, recently um, called Sacred Skin, a creation myth. It was recently in five parts, but now I'm actually thinking of breaking that down and opening it into me. So um, we'll see about that. Um, but I've been developing um, and completed chapter one and two, uh, which I presented at the um, Augustana and then I'm currently developing um, chapter three, and beginning the um, collaborating phases for that with uh, the music and forming the video backdrop that will accompany that. Um, everything's always developing as it is. There's just, you know, events here and there that, that happen. Um, I'm performing at the Butoh Festival here in Chicago um, at the end of the month, so presenting a slice of sacred skin in there. And... I'm just seeing where it goes from there.
1: Well, cool. As you and I have talked a little bit, one of the careful lines that Melissa and I are walking in this podcast is making sure that while we're intentionally engaging with artists whose work does not fit into the cisgendered, heteronormative, patriarchal, white, Euro-American canon, that we're also not tokenizing artists or distilling their work into dealing with just one aspect of their, of their more complex practice, whatever in, and Whatever that aspect is connects to whatever our episode is. And Kiam, you and I have talked a little bit about this leading up to your exhibition at Augustana and our um and and your inst and your performance at at Augustana, but I wanted to sort of shift this conversation and 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 utilize this episode as an opportunity for the three of us to have a conversation on these issues of 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 balancing those those needs of us trying to amplify voices but at the same time recognizing the privilege that we have mm-hmm. in our positions and I just wanted to sort of shift the conversation in that um in that direction
2: yeah yeah i think about um self representation in that sense right um as people of color or as like marginalized bodies like we are telling our stories and desiring to be heard um now the people who who listen on the other side the receivers of that message or of that story i think it's about how is that representation being seen is it as oh this is a person of color like telling their story are you using like these qualifiers to then identify what these stories are and how they 're being told, and how much of them get told, um, so I think it 's about that kind of really intricate battle between the communicator and the receiver of this message and these boundaries that we cross, and these like phases or like spaces of privilege or or navigating who has more or less power at any given time
1: right, right. so where are some spaces that you think um institutions, and we can talk about Augustana specifically, um, if that, if that makes more sense, could have been doing, have been using their, their privilege or the, and their, their power as an institution well, and, and where are spaces that, uh, that we could, we can improve? I mean,
2: I think to even like include me in the show and curate my work into that show, I think is a a step into that um, because it is a, recognis- a, a recognition of the more intricate um, levels and intersections of of being that one artist can navigate to recognize that and to let that be seen I think is a step in that direction of seeing individuals as who they are and the stories that they carry rather than just categories.
0: When you were at Augustana, did you um, did you feel like you were able to have some of these conversations with the people in our community in a way that allowed you to to feel like I mean this wasn't just a, a token exhibition this is something that we want to do as much as possible of here in terms of um, just being inclusive right and, and equitable and
2: that's that is the responsibility of an institution that is the responsibility of whoever sets the tone for the people that interact in those spaces. So that is for, for the people there to carry and to, to make better.
1: Question that I, I always have in, in being, being in that position is, am I doing enough? Am I, you know, where, where, where can I, because I recognize this, this space of, of privilege and, and power and mm-hmm. and in bringing in your work one thing that and 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 I've reflected on this I don't know if I've reflected on it in this podcast or not but mm-hmm. thinking about how your work really spoke to me because it was so honest and in some spaces vulnerable and autobiographical and and really engaging with you know when we get to Conversations about intersectionality—it's not just about mm-hmm. one thing, but it's about you—and—and um, and so that was one of the things that really drew me to your work. But one thing that I, as as the director of the art museum, struggled with is again this question of bringing you in is one thing, but mm-hmm. then what am I doing beyond that? And I guess that's that's something that I'm mm-hmm. I'm grappling with.
2: I think it's important to root back to our ideas of intersectionality um and really understanding what that term means right um because so how would how would you define intersectionality actually um I'd like to kind of turn that to you yeah,
1: no that's a fair that's a fair question um, so I guess there's a number of different ways that one can define intersectionality um mm-hmm. but uh maybe at its most basic from from my perspective is this idea that a person is not just one one thing that that mm-hmm. they are that they are they are a variety, that there's a number of different parts of their identity that make up a, um, a cohesive whole and and mm. in that practice, as we think about intersectionality, it also aligns with with spaces of um, as we grapple with bigotry and all of its different, forms that we we don't just talk about one thing without talking about the other the other aspects um, and and for each person that's that's different but maybe um, maybe I can turn it over to you
2: the way I the way I see intersectionality um, from an from an internal standpoint is um, how I navigate the world in all the different ways um, as a person of color as a Filipino as this or that or as being read as male or as being genderqueer when i present myself like how do i like present myself in these spaces and how do i navigate that realistically um, that reflects who i am like internally right Um, so for me intersectionality is um, is understanding all of those parts of myself that have to be externalized and internalized um, so that's I, that's how I see it from an internal viewpoint of intersectionality. Um, from an external vision of intersectionality is also seeing the complexity of that in other people, of seeing, oh, that person is not just black or white or poor or rich. They are an intersecting web of identities as well.
1: Right. And so how, um, I mean, and this this is a space where, you know, coming back to artistic practice and then also institutional practice how do we how do we engage with both the external and the internal spaces of intersectionality in a way that is or, or what is the what is the way i guess i don't want to answer that um you know, what um, is...
2: I think, yeah. I think it is for you to answer that. Well, no,
1: no, like... I guess I'm saying that... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I guess what I, I what I meant is that I, I don't know if there's a single answer to that. I mean, for right, me, right. as a um, as a museum director, it is important for me, regardless of whatever work I'm bringing in, that I am working with the the artist, first of all, to create an experience at my institution that helps support their practice, helps move their practice along um, is uh, financially and just economically just in, in that, um, in that process. But also thinking about how, what is my role as a director of a academic institution? How, how do I engage our different communities? I mean, so that, that for me is where it, where it comes back to is how do I, but i don't know if that's the only answer i guess that's where i was i was hesitating a few minutes ago that that right mm-hmm. now my thinking is that the work that i bring in and the artists that i bring in mm-hmm. i am trying to think about spaces where we we present the work and we allow the work to exist but i'm also creating yep. spaces for for community to engage but then the question right. there is what communities and and how am i how am i creating those yeah, spaces yeah that's
2: a really important question mm-hmm. um and i Think about locality, right? Um, me going to Augustana um, was an amazing experience. Um, that was really the first time that I had traveled as an artist, and has been and had been like completely provided for from start to finish. And it felt very validating, and it felt very much like my voice was being was being heard, and that I had a space to share it. We had lunch with some students and had some beautiful conversation there, and I think. Having that intimate interaction really is where change happens, uh, where change can really, really bloom. Um, so being given that platform was really important for me and I'm very thankful for being able to go to Augustana. So that's a start. That's definitely a start for the artist, for a conversation to happen and also for an institution to recognize that and to support that and to intentionally want to create more of that um, I think is important. And then I go back to locality and the and quest- questioning how do you do that? Um, how do you engage the people that are there, not just the people who are coming in from a city or from somewhere else, but how do you engage the people there that identify as that? What are their needs um, from this community? Um, and how do you create more of that conversation on a local level? I think that's that's the really important question right. for institutions.
1: And, yeah, no, and I and I think that this is something that that you and I have talked a little bit about. That um, you know, one of the things that I think about in terms of Augustana is our our concentric communities, and in in some ways, I think I did well while you were here in some of those communities, and I don't think that I did as well in in other communities. So if I think about our How did I reach out to Augustana's campus to make sure that I provided opportunity for our Augie students, faculty, and staff to engage with you in a variety of different ways? So whether it was at lunch, that Mm -hmm. was me reaching out to departments, women and gender studies in particular, because this Mm -hmm. exhibition was, was in collaboration with them, to identify students who... Maybe already self identify as wanting to have those conversations. so mm-hmm. um so that was that they it was a great it was a it was a great experience for those students, but they they were mm-hmm. already setting themselves up for that, and I knew who they were. Um, as I think about the larger community at Augustana in particular. I, I do outreach, but I, again, am not sure that I'm, I'm, I'm really reaching people. This is a question that I have not just with your exhibition, but how do I really engage my community, <clears throat> my Augustana community, in a way that, uh, that, that is actually encouraging. I don't need huge numbers, but I want the people that are there to, um, to, to have some type of experience that leaves them changed. But then the space where I feel like I didn't do enough and I, I did some 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 outreach trying to identify and this is a question you've asked me, are there are there are there transgender artists in our community or, or gender nonconforming artists in our community? And the answer to that is I don't know. Um and so I tried to do some outreach, but again, I think that those are spaces where I need to do better. As a as a director of an institution, to really to really work, and at the same time, you know, even even if I don't know any artists in our community that or or people in our community, I don't think that that's a reason not to to bring in those voices to our community.
0: And if I can speak to an example uh, at the Figgy, we we have an exhibition right now. That is is trying to get at really the um, the core of of oral tradition and history and passing on of of that history of African-Americans and other people of color in the Quad Cities over the past. Um, I think that the time frame that we're looking at right now is maybe the past generation. Um, but, but, of course, the artist is looking beyond that in his, in his work outside of this exhibition. And we just had, you know, as an educator, we just had a program. We had a couple of programs now where we want, to, we want to identify an audience that the exhibition can speak to and bring in that audience so they feel as though they are as supported as they are in this community. But what ends up happening is we also have our regular museum Goers who come to the programs, and I almost think that even though that may not have been the intended audience when we started talking about these programs, that's that's just as important an audience because we are then um, we are then having a conversation with people who who aren't aware of many of the of much of the history in our community or a lack of presence in our community. So I feel like we're mm-hmm. able to really um, be supportive of um, of intersectionality. And um, and also educate at the same time, so our community can work toward moving or coming closer together
2: has this uh, event happened?
0: or So it's it's interesting. It's an additive exhibition. So it opened, oh. it opened a month ago and there are okay. certain installation pieces. This is Jefferson Pinder, who is up in Chicago also. He works for the school, mm-hmm. the Art Institute. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are three performances that happen throughout the run of the three-month exhibition. And each performance, mm-hmm. month by month, is recorded. And then that is processed and becomes an extra part of the exhibition. So the whole exhibition um, is isn't really presented in an archival format until the very end of it. But part of the exhibition is the life and the experience or the performance that happens throughout in that space throughout the three months. So it's it's really interesting, and it's it's good for us as, as the Figgy to be – and we've never done anything like this before. So it's also helping us understand more of how we can be as supportive as possible um, in terms of – of um being here for our community
2: mm-hmm. how did the community react or what was their and experience I, like
0: and i don't i mean everybody i can't i guess i can't it's hard to generalize or to um mm-hmm. to really sum up individual thoughts uh, mm-hmm. based on the responses from everybody that i i got in the room and claire was actually there so we can ask her her opinion of this too um everybody seemed to have a positive experience you know there was um there were conversations that i think were harder for some to hear than others and in my opinion that's why we did that i had somebody say oh is the museum i mean we had the performer was being very honest about his own personal experiences here as an african-american man and racism that he experiences daily Mm -hmm. and has Mm -hmm. you know for forever really um and there were people I think they felt very uncomfortable with that but isn't that the point that we're challenging our comfort levels through having these conversations
2: Um,
0: so I would say over overwhelmingly positive although sometimes good things make you feel uncomfortable and that's okay (laughs) that's part of the growing pain of becoming a normal functioning part of the society where we all come
1: together I mean and we'll talk a little bit more about about Pinder's work at a later in a later episode. Um but but I think that I can echo Melissa's experiences of uh the people that I was I was sitting around being uncomfortable with with some of the things especially in the most recent um performance. Mm-hmm. But that's that's an important part of this 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 process. It
0: hurts us less to hear than to be the recipient of the actions that cause that hurt yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I know that of course you feel that way but I I think that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important empathy is um lacking in many ways in this time
1: right but I, I I don't think that the only people that that are benefiting from Pinder's work or or even your work are 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 people that are that are are different you know that are in some sort of privileged position. So like with 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 Pinder's work it would be you mm. know the the white community of of the quad cities like I don't think that's the uh-huh. the end voice. I think it's just as important that that Pinder is is providing this space for to again, you know, I'm going to use my favorite phrase to augment voices and to to provide a space for those voices because those voices <laughs> and those experiences are essential and not just essential mm. for us white people to, to get a sense of our privilege, but rather because those are lived experiences, right. And, um, but I mean, we're kind of getting off yeah, topic. Sorry. work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess this, this comes to a, a, a question that, um, well, there's two questions that, that I, I've been thinking about here. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll go back to a comment that, that you made Kiam, a mm-hmm. conversation that we had about, um, you know, when in, when an institution can, can, check something off, um, Uh whether, you know, so, so my, and we can bring it back to Augustana again, um, my bringing you to campus uh, by Mm. presenting an underrepresented artist. um, I, I, I provide you a platform, um, Uh but what, you know, thinking let's push this a little bit further on. So I provided you a platform and you had mentioned, and this was something that is, that is essential to me. You know, I recognize that, artistic practice is is still is still labor in some ways, and that I as a institution need to support the artists and others that are coming into my space in a way that is economically just and and recognize that because we all need to live and provide for our our basic needs and well Augustana doesn't is, is not in a position where I can provide a a large stipend. What is most important for me is that an artist is is not is not leaving an experience having to have put some monetary have some monetary outlay in order for that to happen. But I guess circling mm-hmm. back to Mm-hmm. this This question of like so so what does an institution or does an institution provide anything for an artist when when an artist still needs to think after that that exhibition about surviving on a, on a daily basis?
2: yeah that's a complex question, and I think um, you went about that but went about that answering that question already and um and I appreciate like the effort that you've made. Um, But I think that question extends beyond to other institutions, um, to larger institutions, to smaller institutions. Um, What can any institution or group um, really provide for, for the arts and for the art, for artists out there? I think that's the important question. I think of this generation is specifically now um, with reducing funding in the arts um, on a national level. Um, How, how do how do we as people, as organizations, continue to allow the arts to flourish at this time? I think that's a larger question um, to that more intimate question of what I can do as part of an institution to support an artist or the arts and just voices being heard.
1: So we probably should wrap up, but before we, we close out the conversation, is there any I mean, we've been talking a lot about a lot of deep and complex issues, mm-hmm. but are, is there anything else that you you'd like to bring up before we uh, before we close out for today?
2: I mean, we covered a lot of ground, yeah. and I think um, listeners can have a, a lot to think about um, in these conversations and in their own relationship to these conversations. Um, I would, I think, I would want to say, write about it. Um, you know pick up a journal and like express how you're feeling. How are you, um, how are you understanding your relationship in the world right now and the people around you? Um, I think it's important to listen to your own voice. So maybe that's what I would like to say.
0: You know, it's uh, thank you. Uh, Thank you for speaking with us and also for sharing that it's important for Claire and I to, to really um, reflect on these essential questions transparently throughout the podcast itself so we really appreciate you having this dialogue with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're striving for equity and actual change, not just the conversation or, as you mentioned, writing about it, communicating in some way, um, just reflecting on this. We want to make sure that we're, we're balancing the importance of including marginalized voices in that conversation without pushing the burden of addressing representation, colonization, mm-hmm. community, an institutional critique onto those voices. So, again, mm-hmm. thank you so much for your willingness to help us grapple with these. these thank essential you, questions. and thank
2: you for having open ears. Um, you know, I think that is something that society, as <laughs> as a general you know entity, really needs to do more is just having open ears
0: maybe add to that open ears and an open heart i That's,
2: we, we yes, could all use a but, bit more of that you know that the ears are the gateway to yep. the heart yeah.
0: You know, yep. yeah well
1: put so thank you kiam
2: thank you thank you for having At me
1: next time on the gallery gap with the looming deadline of april 15th on the horizon hey wait have you done them yet yeah the taxes i'm yeah I'm ahead am ahead of things. <laughs> so deadlines for, for our listeners um, will be looming, and and we thought this would be a nice time for us to grapple with the issue of federal and state funding for the arts. So don't forget that you can listen to us in a variety of ways. You can listen to us on iTunes or Google Play, follow us on Facebook, visit our WVIK website to listen and don't forget to support public radio
0: so important and as always thank you to the figgy art museum the augustana teaching museum of art and wvik for your continued support of this project a very special thanks to our production team thank you and Lacey Scarmana and alfredo manteca um, this podcast also would just be an idea if it wasn't for the generous sponsorship of peterson pate's design who has helped us um, with this thank you so much for making this program possible and last but not least, thank you to you, all of our listeners. Uh, Claire, we'll see you next time. I will through just the through the microwave. Yes. I, will I will just always be, be uh, talking, you talking to you next time. Yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake! <laughs> and I wasn't going to make a joke at the end. <laughs> and then You're I, welcome. I tried. <laughs> it's my pleasure. All right. Until next time, though. Thank you so much.